Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. We were running and talking about distinctions the last time that we met together. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, um, we are going to start I do a brief overview and then we're going to get back to the beginning where I'd like to be. But look at first Corinthians chapter 11. Look at verse number three. Uh, we have the head of every man is Christ and the head of the woman is the man. The head of Christ is God. So we're going to do a quick look and we're going to see there's a distinction in that verse between three heads. We're going to do a deep dive on that later. But you have three heads that are spoken about in that in that verse. Look at verse four. Uh, every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head. We look at that real quick. We have two heads there. Look at verse number five. But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered, dishonoreth her head. For that is even all one as if she were shaving. You know what you got when you just look at this verse uh, as, as a as, as a um, just a, just surveying through them, two heads, and a physical head and a spiritual head. Look at verse number six and seven. For if the woman be covered, let her also be shorn. But if she be ashamed, but if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. For if a man indeed ought not to cover his head, for as much as he is the image and glory of God. But the woman is the glory of man. We do it. We're doing a survey now. And you look at verse number six and seven. Where's the distinction? A clear distinction between shame and glory. Trying to pick up things that are just real, real easy to see. Look at verse number eight. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. For this cause. Ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man in the Lord. For as the woman is of the man, even so is the man also by the woman, but all things of God. Wow, that's a lot. You know, you have a distinction in all those verses. We survey it. We look at it real quick. You know what we got? Men, women, angels. And they're all distinct. And you know where we tend to key in on? The one word in this whole chapter, angels. I want to know more about that. <laughs> Jesus Christ, high above all principalities. He's our Savior. But we see angels. Give me more, Lord. Wouldn't it be great to have more about the angels? But we've got what we've got. So I'm just trying to do what we did last week in chapter 10. Do a quick overview, a quick survey, and look at some clear things that we can see. Look at verse number 13. Judging yourselves. It is commonly that a woman pray unto God uncovered. Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him. But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory for her, for her hair is given her for a covering. So we have a distinction here between long hair and short hair. Uh, we're going to run a couple of verses in a minute, but the big question that comes up in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it isn't isn't is a woman's hair her covering 
the big question is, is her hair enough of a covering? And that's what we want to try to get some help as we go through all of this chapter. I've been asked quite a few times by different people throughout the last, I would say, three years, three and a half years. Is hair the woman's covering or does she need an additional covering? And I've answered that this way. I said, well, my understanding of the passage is that her hair is enough. Every single time, the answer that comes back to me is the same. It's about four people that have asked me this. And, and the question or the answer that comes back is always the same. I used to understand it that way as well. But. So you know what that tells me? When you just read the Bible and you look at it at face value, there's things that are easy. There's things that are clear. Now, I know just like when you got saved and now you are five years down the road, 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road, three decades down the road, some of you more than that. You can't convince me that you don't know more than what you knew the first day you got saved. Of course you do. We all grow in grace. We all change our position. I've changed my position on so many things and praise God, he shows me things in the, in the Bible and praise God, he shows you things in the Bible and you grow and you change and you, so we're all, we all get that. We look at it at face value. I just want to point out the clear things. And I'm not telling you what to believe and not to believe. What I'm, what I'm trying to make the point of is this. I need to be careful of, you need to be careful of, is God's word showing us something or did some system of theology or did some man or did some woman or did some preacher talk you into something that you couldn't find in the Bible if you just read it at face value. If I just read the Bible at face value, it would be pretty easy for me to understand that, okay, a woman has long hair, a man has short hair. I mean, it's simple, right? Let me show you this principle that you can use when you study the Bible so that when you read it and I read it, we can learn the, kind of the same way. Go to Genesis chapter 7. We're going to run a couple of these so we can see clear meanings and clear understandings. Genesis chapter 7. I'm going to read the verse, and I want you all to give me the answer. It's just going to be easier than you're thinking it's going to be. Genesis chapter 7, verse number 20. I picked all these verses because they're easy. Genesis 7, verse 20. 15 cubits upward did the waters prevail and the mountains were covered. What were the mountains covered with? Water. All right. Very good. Go to Genesis 24. I told you it's going to be easy. Genesis 24. Genesis 24. Get verse number 64. Genesis 24, verse 64. Is that where I want to see? Okay, and Rebecca, and Rebecca lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, 
she lighted off the candle. For she had said unto the servant, What man is this that walketh in the field to meet us? And the servant had said, It is my master. Therefore she took a veil and covered herself. What was the covering? A veil. Okay, that's simple, right? Je uh, go to Exodus chapter number 8. Exodus chapter number 8. Exodus chapter number 8. We're going to read verse number 6. And Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt. And the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. What covered the land? Simple. Exodus chapter number 15. Exodus 15. Verse number 10. Exodus 15, verse number 10. Uh, Thou didst blow with thy wind. The sea covered them. They sank as lead in the mighty waters. What covered them? The sea. Amen. Exodus 24. We'll do a couple of more and I think you get the point. Exodus 24, verse number 15. And Moses went up into the mount and a cloud covered the mount. What covered the mount? A cloud. A cloud. Amen. This is good. Uh, Exodus 26. Exodus 26, verse number seven. And thou shalt make curtains of goat's hair. Don't get any ideas, ladies. I know you're going to be looking at Hobby Lobby for a sale on camel's hair. And thou shalt make curtains of, uh, of goat's hair to be a covering upon the tabernacle. Eleven curtains shalt thou make. What was the covering upon the tabernacle? Goat's hair. Very good. Exodus 28, the last one. Exodus 28, verse number 42. And thou shalt make them linen breeches to cover their nakedness. From their loins, even to the thighs, they shall reach. What covered their nakedness? Linen breeches. Very good. And while we're there, God defines what nakedness is. The loin area all the way down to the thigh area. So, young people, when someone tries to talk you out of wearing clothes where your thighs are exposed, you're, they're, they're trying to talk you out of the word of God and into the world system that says it's okay to show your nakedness to everybody. You know what the world argues? Well, that's not really nakedness because they have a different definition of nakedness. God says you cover up from your loin area all the way down. Now, if you want to go above and beyond, fine. You don't have Bible for it. But if you want to go above and beyond and wear long pants or, or, or a longer dress, great. Praise God. But the nakedness needs to be covered. Now, if we just read that verse, would any Christian be confused as to what is nakedness? These fellows walking around with short shorts. They're naked. These girls walking around on college campuses and walking around with the, the, these 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 half shorts having they're, they're they're bare naked. How do you get there? You get there by throwing the Bible away. That's how you get there, and you redefine what words mean. We want you to get. We want we want 
We want you covered up because God wants you covered up. Okay? So I did that exercise with us all because no matter what we are studying in the Bible, by reading the Bible, it should be evident to us what is clear. Are there things that are unclear and Christians don't quite see exactly eye to eye on? Yes. But there are some things that are clear. And we've got to look for the clarity. And when we have clarity, that helps clear the fog. And hopefully we can get some help on some of the other, the other stuff. So in 1 Corinthians 11, what is abundantly clear in the passage? Follow Christ. There's three heads in verse number three. Uh, it's very clear, men short hair, women long hair, women long hair, hair. And it's so obvious that you don't even need the Bible to teach you that because nature itself shows you um, God created. And it's abundantly clear, even if you don't have a Bible in your hand. Now, I want to look at verse 15, and we're going to do deep dives into each one of these verses. So this is just a survey introduction. But when, when we look at verse number 15, and I know I'm chopping it here at the semicolon, but watch what it says after the semicolon. For her hair is given her for a covering. What is clear that a woman should have as a covering? Her hair. It's clear. Now, we're going to try to figure out whether that's enough or whether there's something additional that is needed. But for now, let's just say that, OK, we need to just get a hold of that. Women's long hair is her is is her covering. If something additional was needed, that's easy to understand. That's easy to see. But if something something additional was needed, is it made of cloth? Is it made of leather? Is it made of lace? What size is it? What shape is it? How big or small is it? What color is it? Is it a bonnet? Is it a scarf? We don't have specific details on that, at least from this passage. So that's a quick overview of those verses. But the, the verses that we're going to teach on, and this will hopefully tie in uh, at the end, is this. Look at verse number one. Be ye followers of me. Paul is saying that. So Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is saying that it is okay to follow a man if that man, even as I also am of Christ. Does that man or does that woman witness to the lost? Does that man believe the Bible? Um, and is he following the Lord? Then we have an allowance to follow a man. Which, by the way, Anybody that I read or follow or anybody that we like, because everything's about likes nowadays. We are all scrambled eggs. Every single one of us are scrambled eggs. We have the word of God that's truth. But every commentator, every expositor, every preacher, every teacher, every author, every group, denomination, 
going down the line, they're all scrambled eggs. We are nothing without Christ. And I know he keeps circling back to that, but it's important because be followers of me. There's no period there. There's a comma, even as I also am of Christ. So we need to be careful of, and I thank God, and I've said this before through the years, being here. That I am not pastoring the church of First Corinthians. We've got a good spirit here. We've got a good attitude here. You know where that comes from? Christ. If everybody's tuned into God. We can see things a little bit different. But at the end of the day, we're all following Christ. So I don't even have to say, hey, quit it with bugging this person on this and bugging this person on that, getting on this one for this, because we don't have that spirit. Isn't that a blessing? That's a blessing. Because if somebody messes with you, they're going to have to mess with me. <laughs> okay? And we're all going to get together and we're going to go mess with the world because they're the ones that need the help. I mean, we need help too. I mean, this helps me. I study it out. You, you know, I... I so I'm not saying we don't need any help. We all do. But you know what I'm saying? That world needs something that we've got and they don't. And we've got something better and they don't. And if there's going to be contention and fighting, I'm rolling up my sleeves and going out there to do it. I'm not going to do it here. And if you want to go above and beyond, like we were saying, we know what nakedness is. If you want to go above and beyond and wear something down all the way to your ankles like I'm wearing now and some of the ladies are wearing, great. If you need something, if you want to put something additionally on as a covering and you want to go above and beyond, well, then praise God. <laughs> All right. There's, there's something to that. People, and we're going to get to that because it says in verse two, now I praise you, brethren. I praise you, brethren. Go to first Peter. I'm, I want to look at this because I've, I've learned a lot. I'm, I'm King James only. I'm not King James ugly. Okay. I've learned. <laughs> I've learned a lot from people that don't believe the King James Bible is the word God. I don't agree with them. I'll tell you, I've, I've learned some good stuff. I've gleaned a lot of truth. And I'm thankful for those men. Especially in the early days of my Christian walk. Helped me out a lot. Helped me out a lot. First Peter chapter 1. And, and I say that because we can get so focused on what we believe that we forget to follow Christ. Amen. First Peter chapter number one, look at verse 19. But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish, blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. Seeing you have purified your souls and obeying the truth of the spirit. Under unfeigned love of the brethren. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervent. You get these Christian. These Christian folks that want to give other Christian folks a hard time. Because they don't like what they got on their head. Or they don't like what, what they're wearing or not wearing. Why don't you focus on what you're wearing or not wearing? <laughs> right? How about love? <laughs> His family come here one time. He had a quarrel, though he didn't like the way the women dressed and all this. I said, 
That's because us men, we don't dress our wives like you do. <laughs> Why don't you quit looking at the women here and look at your own wife? <laughs> what is it with people? How about some unfeigned love? I'm not trying to be rude. I'm trying to be realistic. Good night. We're supposed to love each other. It's called the love of the brethren. And it's supposed to be with a pure heart. And it's supposed to be fervently. Everybody's trying to look for the disagreement. Everybody's trying to look for the argument. Everybody's trying to find a little pet doctrine that they can say, see, I'm more spiritual than you. Quit it. Christ is all. Amen. And I know it's tough. We're in a Bible-believing church, and we go through a lot of verses, and there's a lot of room for... In some ways, I'm envious of the non-denom groups. They don't teach much doctrine, and or they'll teach both sides of it and say, you believe what you want, and it's because nobody fights. And as soon as you start teaching all the counsel of God, you run into, well, wait a minute. When I really started diving into the Bible, I started to, huh, I never thought of that before. Wow, I never read it like that before. I didn't know that. That verse is in the Bible? Well, golly. <laughs> I mean, have you had those moments? That's a good thing. That's a good thing. But I didn't get to where I want to get to on this. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. And here's the thing. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. You're nothing. I'm nothing. But a blade of grass that's going to die. What legacy are we going to leave in this town? What legacy are you going to leave for your family? We can't be bickering and fighting. If you're like me, you look back over the years or you go through your scroll and you see, oh, that person. You see innocent people die. Grass. Flowers that fade. This is about Christ. And I know I keep going back to that, but I have to because we can get so off on, well, do you see end times like I do? Do you see head coverings like I do? Do you see, you know, the Ten Commandments like I do? Do you see? I've got a doctrine on everything. <laughs> Every time the season changes, I got something to preach against. <laughs> But Christ is all. He's the most important thing. I don't want to fight with brethren, my whole ministry. I want to fight with the lost. <laughs> the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. All right. Back to the distinction. Look at verse 16. Because we stopped at 15 when we did the survey. 
But if any man seem to be contentious, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God. There's a distinction made here between contentious customs. Anybody like to have a home full of contention? If you come from a dysfunctional family, Kind of the holidays are a good doctrine to have because then you know if you don't if you don't celebrate them it gives you an excuse to not be with the dysfunction. I mean, everybody gets together for three hours, they don't talk to each other all year, and they get together for one day and, and fight for three hours. Contention is a cancer. So the distinction made in that. Watch verse number seventeen. Now in this, I declare unto you, I praise you not that you come together, not for the better, but for the worse. This distinction here about not coming together for better and, and, and worse. So we see that there's better and then there's worse. Another distinction. Now watch verse number 18. For first of all, when you come together in the church. You read all of chapter 10, you read all of chapter 11 up to verse number 18. Now it's written to the Corinthian church. And yes, they had problems. But when people don't like something in first in, in first Corinthians, they say, well, that was just for the Corinthians. No, it's for us. We're the church. <laughs> they were the same body of Christ. They are in this. They were in the same body of Christ that we are in and living in now. It's a different church. It's a different local assembly with different problems at a different time, but it's the same body of Christ. So these people say, well, that's just for, no, it's for us. And when we go through chapter 10, we go through chapter 11, it seems to me it's a way that we all should be living our Christian life. And regardless of where we're at, regardless now, verse number 18, it says. For first of all, when you come together in the church. I hear that there be divisions among you and I partly believe it. So let me ask you a question. If you and I are not living right, which I'm putting forth, we see an example through chapter 10 and chapter 11. You need to live right. If you and I aren't living right, tell me again how we're going to come together in the church and it's going to work. There's going to be problems. You know what the problem was in this Corinthian church? They weren't living right. So by default, when they came together as a corporate assembly, it was a mess. There's a principle there that we can really grab a hold of, and that is. What are we doing Monday through Sunday, uh, Saturday? We need to be pure and holy before the Lord all the time. And it makes Sunday so much sweeter and better. So we see that. I hope you've seen it. Um, verse number two. Now let's go back in the beginning. It says, now I praise you, brethren. It's a praise. It isn't a command. And the phrase praise you, it shows up three times and it's all in first Corinthians right here in verse number 17. It says, I praise you not. And then at the end of verse number 
22. It says, I praise you not. A couple of things about praise. We need to be aware of false praise. People that try to just butter you up because they want something from you. That's a tactic that the world uses to deceive. Uh, young ladies, you need to be careful when you grow up and a young fellow starts praising you a lot. You need to go and find out what his problem is. Okay. Why is he praising you? Is it false praise because he just wants something? Gentlemen, you don't give false praise out. We need to be careful of these things because it can hurt people. And people's emotions are delicate. And we shouldn't use false praise to harm somebody. The world does this all the time. This is how they get young people involved in all types of vile things. They throw money at them. They throw praise at them. They throw fame at them. And then the next thing you know, in a decade, our life's a wreck. But at the same time, we can't use that as an excuse to not praise when praise is due. And you know what's ironic to me when I read this? They had a lot of problems. Yet Paul, through the Holy Spirit's inspiration, says, Now I praise you, brethren. They've messed up a lot, but he found something to praise them on. It gives him a little bit of leeway when he gets to verse 17 and says, I praise you not. <laughs> okay. And we can't build relationships. None of us can build relationships on fault finding. Husband and wife relationships are not built on fault finding. It's five o'clock and you sit down for dinner and the wife tells the husband everything that he did that was wrong. And the husband tells the wife everything that she did that was wrong. And then dad sits the children around the fire and tells all the children everything that they did that was wrong. Welcome to hell on earth. <laughs> it doesn't work. You can't build relationships on fault finding. Everybody comes into church and it's just like, well, you did this wrong. You did this wrong. It's not going to happen. It's not going to work. Um, parents need to praise. And you notice that Paul is going to go through some pretty strong corrections, but he starts with a praise. We're going to correct our children. Find something to praise them on. Your room's, your room's a mess. Clean it up. I've been guilty as this as much as anybody else has been. But how about, I like the way you cleaned your room, you know, like a year ago. <laughs> Find something, all right? There's something there that you can just pull at and grab a hold of, hey, man. <laughs> Wait, what, what am I talking about? I'm talking about Captain Critical is going to be the only captain on the ship if he keeps it up. <laughs> We we got to find some stuff to be happy about. It's called the joy of the Lord. You correct all the time. People just tune you out. And Paul is preparing them for, for verse 17 by letting them know. He praised them, letting them know. It's, when you praise somebody, it says, hey, I've got some confidence in you. And then he says, well, watch in verse number two. 
Now, I praise you, brethren, that you remember me. What do you think? Paul's saying, look at me and forget Christ. No. That you remember me in all things. It's a personal remembrance. Like a father would remember his son, like a wife would remember her husband. Pastors and Paul, they don't want to be forgotten. They labor in the word. They pray all that Paul has gone through. It's comforting to his heart to know that they remembered him. Oh, yeah, I remember you talked that. Uh, yeah, yeah, I remember that service. Oh, you remember when we went out and talked to that group? And It's a personal remembrance. And it's a good thing to do. He's not saying forget Christ. You, you, you haven't seen somebody for a while and all of a sudden you get together for lunch or some fellowship. and Oh, you remember when? And all those memories come back and it's it's sweet to the soul. That's what Paul's talking about. And then he says, now watch this. And keep the ordinances in the church. But it doesn't say in the church. Even though this is written for the church and this is applicable to us right now, it says, and keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. Now, when do you keep ordinances? I'm arguing you should keep them all, and I should keep them all the time. All the time. We should go back to Luke and get the first chapter. A perfect example of this Luke chapter number one. And verse number five. There were in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah, and his wife was the daughter of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless you know how zach and liz walked and all the ordinances blameless kept all the commands when just when they got on corporate worship no all the time it's clear they were living for god you know what you and i should be doing you want to keep ordinances you want to keep commands you want to keep statutes do it all the time yeah you got to live for god that's your life christ is life he gives eternal life. People say, get a life. Like, I've got, I've got eternal life, man. I've got the best life now. <laughs> An ordinance is a command dealing with how to live your life in obedience to God. The all things that were delivered from Paul. Those ordinances, keep them. When? On Sunday? No, all the time. There's doctrinal ordinances. You want to bet that those folks at that Corinthian church, I bet you quite a bit of them heard the gospel right from the mouth of Paul. There's doctrinal stuff there. But ordinances also have to do with conduct and behavior. 
when we look at the New Testament church, uh, we see the aged women. Behavior as becometh holiness. What do you put on holiness for an hour at 11 a.m. on Sunday? No. It's how you live your life. Not false accusers. They love their husbands and their children. They're discreet. They're chaste. They're good. They're obedient to their own husbands. Meaning a woman would be out of line, out of God's will, out of line. If she says yes, sir, and obeys her boss or her, well, you know, you know, is, is polite to all the servers out at the restaurant all the, and the, but not, and then not to her own husband. She's to be obedient to her own husband. You can tell all the other fellows off, you know, you just don't tell. <laughs> you know what all that has to do with? How you live your life all the time and their hard attitudes. Men for church leadership. Mostly every single one of the requirements, not all of them, but mostly all of them have to do with conduct. Not soon angry, not accused of right or unruly, sober, just, holy, temperate. What do you go buy that at the store? No, you can't. That comes from Christ. And it's your character. That's the most important thing. And then he says. And keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. And we talked about doctrinal. Go to 1 Corinthians 15. This is a perfect example of a. Of a doctrinal ordinance. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You all know this. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. And he was buried and he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. That's the gospel. That's a doctrinal thing that we teach and preach. Um, go to Second Thessalonians and we'll see a, a tradition. Second Thessalonians. Chapter number two, uh, verse number 15. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Some. You could say. Well, we do the Lord's Supper for a full service at the, the last Sunday of the month. You could say, well, that's a tradition here at Pilgrim Baptist. You, it doesn't go against the Bible. You could say that, oh, well, they, they all have a, a, a tradition to do midweek on a Thursday night. Well, a lot of churches have a tradition to do it on a Wednesday night. Well, is anybody going against the Bible? No. So that's a tradition. It might be different at one church than another church. Uh, Sunday school at 10 a.m. You could say that, well, that's a that's a tradition. You don't find that in the Bible. But. They're not going against the Bible. Does it make sense? Now, you could have these same traditions and they could go against the Bible if you start changing the Bible. 
all of a sudden the Sunday school turns into, you know, pretzels, the clown and, and uh, bringing in all these uh, things that have absolutely nothing to do with Christ. And it's just a professional babysitting service for an hour. You see, if it goes against the Bible, you throw the tradition out. That's why we're not going to have egg hunts because they're not, it goes against the Bible it has nothing to do with the resurrection. That's why we're not going to have romance dances on the 14th and celebrate a, a pagan uh, sex God uh, for Valentine's day. We're not going to do that. Why? Because it goes against the Bible <laughs> and people take these traditions that go against the Bible and they want to bring it into the church because the holidays are the big time for money. Now, not everybody has that hard attitude. So, you know, you split the hair on that, and there's those that are trying to deceive, and there are those that are just fully persuaded in their mind that, hey, this is what we want to do. What am I saying? Traditions have root in, does it go against God's word or not? If it doesn't go against God, God's word, then have at it. Can anybody find a midweek service in the, in the Bible? Are we sinning against God? We can have one Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and three on Sunday if we want. Did Paul just say in verse number one, be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ? I'm going to leave you with this. Most commentators, when they exposit this chapter 10 and they start chapter 11, almost all of them say the first verse in 1 Corinthians chapter number 11 really ties up and sums up chapter number 10. In other words, it should be in chapter number 10. Because as you read chapter number 10, even as I pray, the last verse, even as I please all men and all things, not seek my own profit, but the profit of many that they may be saved. And they say, be followers of me, even as I also am of Christ, closes out chapter number 10. And I get what they're saying, because in verse number two, it says now it starts a whole new thing. So why is it verse two, the first verse? What I would submit to you is. Because that was the whole idea of the praise. Look at it in verse number two. It says, now I praise you, brethren. The whole idea of the praise, be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. And yes, I understand it finishes out a thought in chapter 10. I get that. I understand that. But what I'm like, what I'd like to close with and draw to your attention, if somebody's following Christ, praise them. If somebody's imitating the Lord, praise them. This thing's about Christ. This isn't about closing out a chapter as much as it is tying in. You're following the Lord. Praise God. You're going above and beyond. Praise the Lord. You want to do more for God? Have at it. I won't stop you. Praise God. This thing is about Jesus Christ. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about any one man or one group or one local assembly. I'm telling you, this thing is about the precious blood of Christ.
And we have got to praise each other as we imitate Christ. Hey, great job handing out tracts. Hey, great job praying for that person. Hey, great job getting ready for the organization of the new outreaches. Hey, praise the Lord that you helped with the tech outreach. I'm telling you, we got to praise each other if we're following Christ and we're imitating him. And I really believe that first verse, be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Now I praise you, brethren. You remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. That whole section right there in chapter 11, verse 1 and 2. It's all about praise from brethren that want to imitate and follow God. Even if they're a scrambled egg. If they get something right, praise them. And if they're going above and beyond because they want to serve God, just praise them. Why? Because they're trying the best they can to imitate and follow Jesus Christ. That's what this thing's about. That's what this thing's about. We're going to look at hair and we're going to look at all kinds of stuff. But I'm telling you, this thing ain't about hair. This thing's about Christ. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.